welcome back or welcome to the Humans of Triathlon or Hot podcast where we bring you the ordinary but extraordinary world of triathlon one human one story at a time with the aim to inspire and to celebrate this life-changing sport and its humans through real authentic raw and enjoyable conversations with humans of triathlon from around the globe and from all walks of life Welcome to the Humans of Triathlon podcast. Today, our fearless leader, Swapnil, is unable to join us. So instead, you get another episode of the Charles Hunk and Sheila Trelevin show. It's a very special day today because, for two reasons actually, it's Canada Day. So we're recording on Canada Day and the reason is because I'm from Canada. Yeah. Yay. Okay, and um, secondly, because we have an incredible guest who has created the most inspiring initiative that we're going to pass on to you and let her share with you as well as her story. So right now, I'm going to pass over the mic to Charles to make the introduction. And this is the introduction. (laughs) Today at Humans of Triathlon. We bring you the story of a U.S. military woman from the Air Force who, beyond the glory portrayed in Hollywood in movies like Top Gun, she actually went through a number of hardships in life, including severe alcohol addiction and being a mother at a tender age of 16. Today, we bring you a story of redemption and love and triathlon, of course. She's the founder of Fun Her Try, a non-for-profit organization that's sole purpose is growing the participation of women in triathlon. Well, she was born in Ohio. Today, we are live from South Korea, the land of delicious Dobboki and Chimek, the land of the powerful Korean soap opera industry, Samsung Electronic, Gangnam Style, the country to both host to both the 1988 Summer Olympic Games in Seoul and to the 2018 Winter Olympic Games in Pyeongchang. And the land of the biggest boy band in the planet today, BTS. Folks, we bring you the amazing Lynn Maddox. Hello. Hey. Hi. That was quite an introduction. <laughs> <laughs> you deserve it. You deserve it. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled to be here. Good, good. We're have, thrilled to have you. It's uh, not every day you have someone from Ohio who lives in South Korea and is from the military. So I can tell you, yeah. we're very, very honored to have you today. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, I think to begin with, you know, usually what we do again, and uh, this is a classic of, of Humans of Triathlon already, is we take the, the DeLorean from Back to the Future and we try to go back into the past of the guest and see, go to your childhood, to your beginnings, to understand a little bit more of who you are and where you grew up and how your life was back then and slowly sort of get this kickstart this, uh, this episode. Sure, sure. So um, I, as you mentioned, I am originally from Ohio. I grew up in a relatively small town, um, and I lived there until I joined the military when I was 18, so um, basically until I was a grown-up. Um, well, I don't know if you really say 18 is a grown-up. I still don't feel like a grown-up, but uh, <laughs> um, so I, my parents were uh, extremely hardworking people, so um, I kind of grew up just thinking that that was really normal, and um, I started working when I was pretty young, and um, when I turned 18, I joined the military right out of high school. So uh, I basically left for basic training um, the summer after I graduated. And um, I had no, I, when I was growing up, my dad was um, a police officer. And so I'm an only child. Uh, and I grew up doing all the things that he liked to do for fun. So, um, you know, we, we would go hiking, we would go shooting, we would be uh, repelling, we do things that I thought every kid did, but um, I suppose. Um, but I did not grow up with any sort of idea that I was limited because I was a girl. Uh, so all through my childhood and adolescence, I kind of just did everything that was presented to me. And then as I went off to join the military, 
um, when I saw the recruiter, they asked me what, what I wanted to do. And I said, I wanted to be a, a pararescue. And they kind of laughed and said, you know, well, this is not available to you because you're a woman, you're female. And that was kind of like the first eye-opening experience where someone had told me that I couldn't do something because I was a girl. So, of course, that um, made me a little angry. And, and I started kind of seeking out things that seemed uh, stuff that I shouldn't be doing, per se. So, um, yeah, so I, I joined the military and I ended up becoming an air traffic controller, um, and, which is available to women. <laughs> and so um, I was lucky enough to be stationed in a few different places. I was all over the world. Um, I deployed Iraq um, at one point, and um, I was back, like I said, I was uh, here in South Korea about a dozen years ago. Actually, this is where um, my husband and I kind of started our, our relationship. Um, but yeah, after after leaving the military, it was, it was a little bit different. Like growing up, I, I didn't I didn't have, you know, like I said, the idea that there were things that were limited to women, and then coming into the military, it was kind of obvious that there were things that were expected of, of guys that were not um, expected of girls. Uh, so that was interesting. Um, but, you know, as far as like my upbringing and, and my childhood, my parents were extremely hardworking people. So um, I kind of naturally, the work ethic that comes, that's necessary for triathlon, I sort of had it before I ever realized I had it. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's kind of where I started from. So I just kind of have a, a, a question just about the whole military. So we understand that women in, in the military is more of a, well, we've always been there in some role or, or some way, but honestly, I had no idea that they had restrictions on, you know, women doing something such as a pararescue or that you were, as a woman, you know, you only had certain roles you could choose to do. So is there a reason? Is it strength or is it something else that they choose not to have women in those roles? Um, so I think there, there are a few reasons, but now, you know, 20 years later, um, it, it is different. There's a lot more that's, uh, a lot more jobs that were closed off to women when I was coming in that are open to them now. Um, you know, women didn't used to be able to, female pilots didn't use flying combat again now. There's a lot of things that have changed, thankfully, in this, in, in the time since I came into the Air Force. Um, pararescue is considered special operations, and so um, a form of special operations. So basically, there there are certain jobs that still are not don't allow uh, women. And at that point in time, you know, I had seen videos, and it just looked like the coolest job ever. You know, you get to jump out of helicopters and rescue people and, and help people, and um, so it was like, well, yeah, that's I want to do that. You know, I get to um, help people and shoot cool guns and do things you know that no one else gets to do and um, so it was very intriguing, but yeah, it was, it was a hard no. They, they basically, and they kind of, you know, they kind of laughed at the fact that I had even asked because, um, I guess they sort of thought everyone knew, but again, like I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't raised with the idea that there were things that I couldn't do. So. No, it's nice. It's good to see like things are opening up in a lot of areas. So it's nice. Like 20 years ago, you're right. Um, a lot has changed in the last 20 years for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned, you know, a little bit, well, in your childhood, you missed in your, sorry, I'm like stuttering here. Um, in, in your letter that you, you sent to us, you mentioned that you struggled in your teen years. Is So what led you to the military? Was it part of the struggle you had before there, or is it something you always wanted to do? What were your struggles that you went through um, as a teen? Yeah, so... Um, I did. So basically, um, when I was 16, I would say that I did kind of always want to join the military. I wasn't um, on the track of college so much. Like I mentioned, my dad was uh, a police officer. And so I, I sort of always had the idea that I would go and do something like that. But um, it was very easy to leave home and, and want to leave home after just kind of having a bit of a rough spot. So um, when I was 16, I uh, found out I was pregnant. And um, basically, you know, that's just incredibly devastating. So um, I was kind of in, to be honest, I was in denial about it for, for quite a while. And um, finally, my parents, you know, kind of came to me and said, okay, something is going on. Let's, let's get this sorted out. And it was about, I would say about two weeks of just really, really difficult, um, you know, the whole deal, going, going to get a pregnancy test and 
I can remember being in line at the checkout and just, I'm just sobbing. And, um, the person that was cashier was like, it's going to be okay. So like, just feeling so, you know, um, of course they had no idea what was going on, but I could tell that I was just a baby. I was so young. And, um, and so, yeah, so I, I thought I was pregnant and it was, um, extremely difficult at the beginning. And, um, within a couple of days, my parents, you know, we were just kind of like screaming at each other for, for a good bit of time. So they sort of called on our friends, um, their friends, to come in and, and help us talk through things and be a, kind of a mediator, if you will. So um, and as we were kind of deciding, um, you know, to talk to one another and stop placing blame and, you know, doing all this, um, my my mom's close friend said that she had heard of, of open adoption and actually, they had had trouble conceiving a child, so they had looked into adoption. So um, they understood a lot more about it than I did. And initially, when I heard the word adoption, I was completely against it. I said that there was no way that I could um, have the baby and then, you know, give the baby away and not have any idea what, what happened to him or her. And then they had an article, a magazine article, actually, about open adoption. And so she explained to me that this was completely different than um, a closed adoption. So I would potentially get to, um, you know, choose the parents, potentially have contact with the, with the child after uh, he or she was born, depending on what we decided on. And so at this point in time, I, I wasn't convinced of anything, but um, I started, I mean, really just praying. Honestly, I was um, just kind of asking for help outside of myself um, to make the decision of what was best. And the more I considered it, the more I realized that if I raised her, then there was a very good chance that she was going to suffer for um, my mistakes. Um, so I didn't really like the idea of that. And um, I felt like it, it didn't seem like it was fair. And so I ended up deciding to um, kind of explore the option of open option. And I did. And we, um, we sat down with a lawyer and the whole process of that. And it just, from the minute we started down that path, it felt like it was absolutely the right thing to do. Like there never felt like a moment when um, I was unsure. I just automatically uh, I felt like it was right. And uh, I can remember my dad saying to me that if we if we went this route, like if if I decided on this, I needed to really make sure that I was committed to it because um, you know there'd be no going back. And um, yeah, so I truly did feel like that was the right thing. And so we kind of went that direction, and um, I ended up getting to choose the parents. They were not pregnant previously, but um, through an, an adoption agency and where I got to choose um, parents that I felt, you know, um, met what I was looking for, my ideal family, I guess if you would say. Um, and so, yeah, I met them and we instantly had a great connection and it was like a dream come true and um, kind of like this nightmare started looking a little, a little better and, and things are looking up. So, um Fast forward a little bit, and um, they were there with me at the hospital the day that she was born, and I gave birth to a perfect little girl. And um, yeah, I, you know, it's kind of it's interesting to go back and, and think back through it, but um, it it all it all did feel like it was exactly like it was meant to be. And so even though it was a difficult situation, and at first after finding out um, that I was pregnant, and obviously not uh, where you want to be when you're 16. Um, when, after she was born and, and everything, you know, the, her parents were there and, and it was a, a wonderful situation. It felt like, uh, the best thing that could have ever happened. Um, so yeah, so that was, I was going into my junior year of high school uh, when all of this kind of took place. And so, um, I, or I'm sorry, going into my senior year. Of school. So um, I found that I was when I was a junior. And so, you know, as I came into the senior year, it was like, after going through all of that, I just was sort of done with high school, and um, so I was ready to, to leave. So in that way, I guess it did have it. Um, it. It made it easier to join the military and to kind of get away from home. Um, but the thing about that particular situation is that, you know, years later, so I kept in contact um, with them, with uh, her parents, and we would see each other while I was still there um, in Ohio for the first few years of her life, and then as she approached the age of five, it was kind of like, okay, maybe in-person visits aren't um, as good of an idea because it, it sort of felt like 
I was getting older and she was getting older. And so we kept in contact still, but we didn't do any other, um, any more in-person visits for many years. So um, when we were stationed in Guam, um, I was actually working as an air traffic controller and I was training for Ironman. And um, they, her parents reached out to me and said that she was, she was, she wanted to meet me. She was 18 and um, she had always known that she was adopted and um, she wanted to meet me. And so we ended up making a trip back to the States for an Ironman. <laughs> and in conjunction with that uh, race, I got to uh, see her and um, Alyssa is her name. And her middle name is actually Lynn. So um, they named her after me, her middle name. And um, we got to meet and she met my whole family and it turned into, you know, now we, we talk all the time and, um, you know, we're both very busy. She's in college now, but, um, we talk regularly and, uh, have a wonderful, almost like a big sister relationship. So I'm able to be there for her in a capacity that, um, you know, I, I had no idea that it would come to this, but, um, I had always dreamed that we would get, that we would be reconnected and, and it would be a wonderful relationship. And yeah, I mean, now it's dream come true, you know, so many years later, 20 years later. <laughs> Makes me feel old. <laughs> Are you? So yeah, the go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, no, it's wonderful that you're able to have that relationship, and and honestly, you are like, um, I know your your biological mother and your mother, but to be able to have that big sister relationship, and I know you feel, you said you feel old, but really, the difference between your ages is no different between the ages of my two brothers. Um, the youngest and the oldest. So what a, you know, great opportunity to be had that kind of relationship with, with her and, um, and still be able to ha- even though you put her up for, for, for adoption and still be able to be close to your daughter. I think, I think that's a great option for other girls too, if it's, if it's out there for them. And um, I really appreciate you sharing your story about that. Thank you so much. So yeah, it's, it, I'm obviously a little nervous talking about it. It's, um, one of those things where I don't tell the story very often. Um, and for a long, long time, I didn't tell the story at all. So I, it was, it felt like a failure. It felt like um, I was ashamed of the story. I was ashamed of the fact that I had uh, gotten pregnant so young. And um, so, yeah, for a long, long time, I, I didn't share the story, period. And, you know, even now after I have shared it many times with close friends, it's, um, it is a little nerve wracking to kind of say it in a, in a public uh, way, even though I have written. You know, when you're writing, it's easy to to go back and choose your words over and over again. So um, it is a little tough, but that's kind of the kind of where triathlon sort of comes into my story. So actually, you know, thinking about sharing the story, one of the first times that I ever shared a story with a person like outside of super close family friends was um, in 2010 when we, we were living in Oklahoma at the time. Uh, station there and I was on I was training for my I think at the time we were actually training for a half marathon um, but I was on a long training run with a friend and at the time you know now she's one of my best friends in the world but at the time she was kind of a new friend and we're on this long run and we're really getting to know each other and you know, we're out for 50 miles or whatever it was and um, I shared the story I told her about Lisa and about the adoption and I mean you know we're running long kind of you know, sobbing a little bit and, you know, having this whole moment. And it was the first time that I had ever really, um, like, really shared some of the most intimate details of the story. And um, I had shared some some feelings that said out loud some things that I had never said out loud before. And um, so, yeah, it essentially, like, through a long run, uh, endurance training, I was able to kind of realize that, I needed to do that. Like I needed to be telling the story and I needed to be saying it out loud. And uh, I needed to be maybe working through uh, some of the things that I had kind of, you know, pushed away down. Like when you're growing up and things happen to you when you're young um, and, and it's, if, if it's not good stuff, it's easy just to sort of like try to forget it or try to only remember the good parts. And um, so yeah, I, that was probably the first moment when it, it became really obvious that I needed to work through some things. Um, and then from there, uh, it was later on that year that my husband decided, my husband, this is my husband's idea to, to try a triathlon. Um, and so we, the same friend, we decided to do, uh, in 2010, we did a sprint distance triathlon 
may have even been a super sprint. I think it was a sprint distance. Yeah. So um, we did this race and we did it as a relay. So um, her and I, her name is Michelle, and she actually lives here in Korea. Her family is, is stationed here as well. So it's kind of a really um, wonderful thing that we get to be reunited with them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, man, the world is so small. We, we think, you know, we are afraid we will never see people again, but thankfully um, sometimes we get to. So, yeah. So basically her and I um, did this relay. So I did the swim and the bike and she did the run and uh, it was a train wreck. I, <laughs> I was, um, I forgot to put my goggles on as I was getting into the water. So I was like so excited and nervous and like, you know, smiling, waving at my family. And I jumped into the water and I couldn't see anything because, you know, people were splashing around and I had forgotten to put my goggles on. They were still on top of my head. And um, so, you know, as I'm coming up for air, I can hear every, my family screaming at me to put my goggles on. So finally I realized I don't have my goggles on. So I, I fixed this. I put my goggles on and I started swimming. And, um, you know, it was my first triathlon. It was my first, like, I had done, you know, half marathons and marathon prior to that, but because it seemed, and it was much less time, it didn't seem like that, didn't feel like that going into it. So prior to the race, I had decided that I, I must need Gatorade. Like everyone is drinking sports drinks. So I'm going to, I'm going to have Gatorade. And so I chugged this giant Gatorade. I never do, I never ever drink Gatorade, but you know, I decided that that would be a good idea. So I, I had all this Gatorade. Yeah. So nothing you want to race it, right? So, um, I have this giant Gatorade. So I jump in the water, forget to put my goggles on, finally get my goggles on, start swimming. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm going to throw up in this water. Like I'm definitely going to puke up all this Gatorade that I just drank, you know? And, uh, I had to stop at doggy paddle for quite a while. I think it was only a 500 meter swim and I'm not sure. I probably took me 25 minutes. I just, it was so long. So, um, I did not end up throwing up, thank goodness, because all I could think about was I did puke in the water. I would have to swim through it. So that's a terrible situation. Um, so I get out of the water, finally get out of the water and, you know, it was my first race, so when I got there, I was very early to get there to the race. Um, and so when I wrapped my bike, there were like two other bikes in transition. So this is no problem. But when I got out of the swim, there were about 200 other bikes in transition. So I proceeded to run up and down transition area. I don't know, I made three or four laps trying to locate my bicycle, which I had no idea where I had put it <laughs> in the morning because you know, there was it was empty when I got there. So, um, all these lessons learned from your first race, but, uh, I finally did find my bike and I rode my bike and it, the bike ride itself was uneventful. I, I didn't, um, I didn't go very fast, but I was having a great time and I got off the bike and tagged out my teammate and she went and did the run and, you know, there you have it. We had done our first race and I was completely hooked because it was so bad. Like I had done such a terrible job. I was like, I have to do this again. I could do better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that's kind of the start to um the start to my my triathlon journey if you will um but the the training and all of the I mean you guys know like there's there's so much suffering in training sometimes when you're when you're doing a long long session or even if it's a not so long session you're first starting out you know an hour long run or a couple hours on the bike uh, feels like a really long time and so there's there's a lot of time to kind of think about your life and, um, you know, your decisions and maybe you regret it at this point. I think many times I've regretted my life choices. Like, why am I out on this, you know, six hour bike ride? But, um, I, I just really like started to, um, I don't know, kind of make some peace with, with the, with the pregnancy and, and, you know, everything that after she was born and placed for adoption, that was all wonderful. But the thing that always kind of was in the background for me, not, not you know, for, for anyone else, but for me, the thing that was in the background was um, failure. That, you know, it was this, I had done something that was, it just was not good. I, I had, you know, I should have been smarter about my, my decisions and my choices and stuff. And um, the choice to place a list for adoption was the best choice I ever made. But um, getting pregnant in the first place, that was, um, you know, it just felt, uh, wrong. And, um, it, I took, I had a lot of, um, not positive interactions with people over the fact that I had gotten pregnant in the first place. I was, some people, um, severely, dis when we were in a small town, you know, everybody kind of knows everybody. So 
um, when people found out I was sick, I forgot there were a lot of um, people didn't think that was the right thing to do. And so they felt that they needed to share that opinion with me. Um, and so, yeah, so, so a lot of feeling of failure and um, just a, a, a lot of uh, negative emotion, I guess, surrounding um, what had happened if I was kind of, you know, growing up and triathlon was um, sort of where the door kind of went to swing the other direction. And I made, um, I made some peace with like all of the negativity and all of the, the feeling of failure that, that I had, I was able to work through it. And I started feeling like, you know, maybe, maybe this wasn't a failure. Maybe I, um, maybe this is what was meant for me in the first place. And, um, yeah, it, it was, it was like life changing. I feel like that sounds a little bit cheesy, but it really was just uh, having the opportunity to, to think through things that I had previously chosen not to think through and, and just sort of, um, you know, put towards the back of my mind or try to block out completely. Um, and yeah, so, so that was important for me to go through that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I guess, I think, I think, uh, I'm surprised at the uncanny ability of humans to sort of self-criticize themselves uh, over and over yeah. for for things that you know, like maybe they were they were not the the, the most ideal outcome in, at any point in your life. I mean, obviously your case was a a bit more that some than a mishap at work, right? It's like being pregnant at 16. But even though, I mean, I think that sort of situation gave you a, I guess in my opinion, gave you this much more uh, strength and maturity at a much younger age than most uh, kids in the world, you could say, no, for just having to deal with that sort of situation. I mean, like you have kids now sort of uh, 16 playing with Snapchat and changing faces, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so yeah, it's uh, a bit different, a little bit different, you know, like, yeah, just, uh, yeah. so in that sense, I think, yeah, obviously you, you punish yourself a lot, but, uh, you, you are much stronger than, than, than you realize. And I think that's, uh, something that, uh, I think all of the listeners can, can, uh, realize for sure. Yeah. Thank you. I, it, it is really, um, you know, now, I, I mean, I'm probably 38 years old this year, so, um, now that I'm, I have so much more life experience, I look back and just thank God so much for um, the ability to, in that moment, and I, I don't think I did it. I think that, <clears throat> that it was for certain um, a little bit of divine intervention there with my ability to kind of make the right decision because I think that, I think that there, for me, there was the, the chance that had um, the biological father shown any interest or um, I think if things had went differently, there's a chance that I would have made a different decision. And I'm extremely, um, I look back and feel extremely grateful that I was mature enough to make a decision that I felt was best for her at the time versus doing what was best for me, which was, you know, emotionally, obviously you're attached to that, to that human being. So, so for me, it, it felt like it would have been easier just to keep her to be mine. And it was more difficult to, uh, you know, place her for adoption. And the fact that I've was able to make a more difficult decision, you know, now as I look back, I think, oh, I'm so glad that that, that worked, out the way it worked out the way it did and that I was uh, mature enough to make that decision. But that being said, you know, everybody is different and what's right for one person isn't right for another. Um, of course. But for me and for us, this was, this was the way it, it was supposed to be, you know, for sure. So yeah, it was, um, <laughs> it's crazy to think that it's been that long ago, but um, yeah, she is going to be 21 this year so um wow yeah <laughs> um, time flies for sure i know it sure does yeah um, it really it, it really is and and that story in itself i mean you have so many good things that you're doing that you're going to talk about soon too but just sharing that story about how you were a teen you know pregnant that you were able to make that decision and um you know, give your child for adoption, you know, knowing that at 16, maybe it wasn't the best choice for you to keep her yourself. And today's day and age as well. I mean, even hearing some of the things my kids come home from school, my daughter's now first 
going into second year university, actually, she just finished my oldest first year. But, um, you know, in high school, she was talking about how, well, mom in health class, they said it's really easy just to get an abortion, like it's not a big deal. And it is a big deal. And all those choices are a very big deal. So I think it's really great that you're sharing this so that those girls that get in that situation you know, know they have options and there's really good choices that, you know, they can do for the baby and, and for the child. And, and, you know, you're able to have a great relationship with your baby later on as well. So who's not a baby anymore, but she's still a baby. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it, it really is. And I think it's interesting because um, I, you know, at that point in time, open adoption was not a commonly, I mean, this was not a household term. Well, um, you know, it didn't happen a lot. And it happened, but it didn't happen a lot, not nearly as um, often as it happens now. And so, yeah, I think that it is important for anyone who's in the situation to understand, like you said, that there are options because whatever you decide, um, that is the decision that you have to with for the rest of your life. And so, uh, again, what's right for some isn't right for isn't right for all. But for me, it is an absolutely amazing situation to be able to look back and think that the decision that was made uh, all those years ago now has been, um, you know, has, it is formed itself into this wonderful relationship. I mean, my children, uh, a couple of years ago, um, after we moved back to the States, um, the kids, we explained to the kids who Alyssa was. So the first time she, the first time they met her, they were quite small. So we just introduced, you know, as friends, we didn't explain um, the entire situation. But then when they were a little bit older, uh, we did explain it to them. And this has given them the perspective that families come in all shapes and sizes. And so, um, she is a part of family and we are a part of her family and her parents, you know, communicate with us and, and we all get to be family now instead of, um, feeling like instead of one person feeling like there's a giant, uh, void or whatever, this, this very wonderful, uh, situation with, with all of these family members, you know, so it's kind of neat to have that perspective, um, for, for me, but then also to be able to pass on to my kids, like, you don't have to, it doesn't have to fit into a box. We can, um, we can do love is, you know, it's, it's a wonderful thing and, and you don't have to, um, it doesn't have to look a certain way. Like your family can, can be, um, can look different than your neighbor's family or whatever, you know, and still be wonderful and right and, and all those kind of things. So, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I'm going to change direction a little bit for, for now. Um, uh, and back to triathlon because you have, begun uh, a wonderful thing for women in triathlon and um, the Funter Try. And I'd really like you to talk a little bit about the Funter Try and how that came about and what it's about. Yes, I would love to. So um, basically, um, you know, as we kind of already talked about, like I had kind of a life-changing situation with triathlon and I... Um, through triathlon was able to uh, kind of make peace with a lot of, of um, things happening with me. And I was able to see that I was so much stronger than I thought I, I was. And um, I was able to do things physically and mentally that uh, I d- didn't expect that I could do. And so um, after I started doing triathlon, I basically just started inviting friends to do it with me because I was like, this is like, it's awful at certain points because you're suffering, but also it's wonderful because when you cross the finish line, you have this feeling like you're a superhuman, you know? And so I started inviting friends and, and most of those people, you know, were still friends. Some of them, you know, I think decided that they needed to find a different friend because I <laughs> invited them to do something that was so painful. Uh, but yeah, so I invited friends over and over again. And, um, obviously I was racing, you know, race here and there and I had, you know, I started doing heavy point threes and full Ironmans, and it always kind of stood out to me that there were there was only a fraction of female competitors to you know compared to the male competitors. Um, so, but I didn't give it too much thought. And then uh, last year, when we were living in New Mexico, I knew we were about to um, move overseas, and so I could be leaving my current job. And I actually listened to an interview um, at the Outspoken Summit. Triathlete Magazine had done an interview with. Um, 
Senator Cinema, and it was like it wasn't a talk about so not, but it was, it was an interview um, during the summit. So they interviewed her, and she was talking about um, like taking action, so doing things to grow the sport of triathlon and grow the participation of women in triathlon, um, and and making those things actionable. So we can't just talk about it; we have to actually do something. And for a long, long time, um, I you know, had said to my husband, I would love to start a business or, um, you know, I've dabbled in different entrepreneurial things here and there. But um, when, she, when I listened to that interview, it sort of became clear. And I was like, this thing, I am always inviting women to do triathlon with me. And nine times out of 10, when, the, when they're done, they are grateful that they were invited because it is it's so impactful. So it can be, it's life changing for some. I have friends that um, will literally tell you that just like me, triathlon completely changed their life. I have friends that are grateful um, that they were invited because it just gave them a way to, uh, you know, stay healthy and fit and um, gave them a hobby. Um, I have a girlfriend who um, knows a woman who was able to escape an abusive relationship because after she started training for triathlon, she realized how strong she was. And realized that she didn't need to be, um, you know, staying in this abusive relationship. So she found the strength to get out of it. And so essentially, um, all things kind of were pointing in the direction of starting an organization that would help increase the participation of women in travel. So that is the whole mission of Under Try. So uh, I started the organization. It took a couple of months to um, actually get official 501 status. That's kind of a complicated process. So um, when I, I first started in January, kind of uh, building, you know, building a website, building um, the organization up a little bit, kind of figure everything out. And um, here, you know, today, July 1st, we are we've sponsored uh, the registration of 18 women so far. So basically, our goal is to increase participation of women in the sport. But the way that we do it is by paying for the registration fee for a first-time female. So research has told us that the, the barriers to entry for the sport are time and money. So obviously triathlons are very expensive and it can be time-consuming. So um, I have written a letter a couple of times to be allotted to the day, but so far that hasn't been answered. So we are trying hard to kind of help offset the financial burden. And one of the things that, um, you know, obviously if you're competing in the sport triathlon, you're not necessarily like in a financial hardship or if you're even considering triathlon you probably aren't experiencing severe financial hardship but i think in some cases people are and then in a lot of cases there are women who are considering sign up for triathlon but we tend to um think that maybe it's too much of a commitment or it's too expensive or we kind of find a lot of reason to decide why not to sign up and or at least that's been my experience after talking to a lot of people that um so many people say, well, I've been thinking about doing that or I have thought about doing that. And so basically the organization was formed to kind of help people like me. So I'm a female traveler who is always inviting other women to try triathlon. And I have many a female triathlete friends who is in the same boat. We're always inviting people to try the sport. But this organization is kind of a tool for those women. So mm -hmm. instead of just inviting a friend to try the sport and then like, you know, expecting them to um, understand like the cost and the time and all of that, this organization is a way to invite women into sport but give them a resource to help get started as well. So um, when I invite a friend to try a trap on, I say, you know, if you under her try, if you apply on their website, they will pay for the registration for your first race. And that kind of gives them a little bit of, it's like the extra boost to actually, you know, make the make the commitment and, and go ahead and register for the race. So they get a little bit of support. Um, plus they get the, the support of the community that comes with on her try, which um, isn't huge right now. I mean, we're teeny tiny, but um, we're going all the time. And so you get the support of the community. It's obviously uh, social media. It's a lot easier for all connect with one another. Um, and additionally, it is, that supportive introduction to the sport is what I hope will keep them coming back to the sport. So um, I'm interested in growing the sport triathlon, but um, I also want to keep those women keep those women coming back. So I want them to start 
and I want them to do their first race, but I don't want them to only do one race. I want them to keep coming back. So, yeah, so this is kind of the idea. Um, the idea is to welcome them in in the way that I got welcomed in. When I did my first race, I was wearing a tri top that someone gave to me and, you know, had clip on arrow bars that someone let me borrow. You know, all these kinds of things. I had a very, had a couple of friends who, who were doing triathlons, so they were extremely supportive of me. And, um, I have found that the, the tri community in general is very supportive, but the women in the triathlon community are incredibly supportive. And we tend to really be cheerleaders for one another. And so I want for those women who are doing their first race to really feel that. Um, so, yeah, so basically our, our model is we raise money um, through donations. We have some ambassadors that help us money, um, but we raise money through donations and then we use that money to pay the registration fees for first time female triathletes. And um, it's a nonprofit, so all donations are tax deductible, but also um, this is not income for anyone. So no one, you don't have any paid staff, we're all volunteers. Um, so it's mainly, so I mainly run the organization from day to day, but I have a board of directors as well, which I'm so grateful for those women because to be a nonprofit, to have um, that status and have the donations be that respectful, you have to have a board of directors. And so essentially I had to have a couple women really believe in this idea and support me and, and agree to, to be on the board. And um, so I have a really, uh, a couple really great friends. Um, Sarah Gurman is um, the vice president and treasurer. She lives in New Mexico. And then uh, Jed Darliza lives in Colorado and a great friend of mine. Um, she is um, the secretary for Fund And then, Another board member who joined us um, shortly after we formed is Angela May, which obviously everyone knows this name. So she is a pro triathlete who um, founded the I Race Like a Girl team, and she's on the board as well. And so basically, these women, while they don't like answer emails necessarily or do the day, they make it possible for the organization to exist and their support. Um, I, I could not do it without them. Their support is extremely important. So um, yeah, so myself and those women that are on board, um, we kind of work on a regular basis to spread the word that funder try exists. So we're trying to um, increase awareness that we exist so we can get applicants, which is an applicant is just a first time female. Um, and she can go to the website and apply for sponsorship. Um, but then also we need, you know, we need support. We need financial support. So we applied for a grant this past year with um, USA Triathlon. We didn't get it. Um, so, but we will continue to do that. So there is grant money available for things like this. So we'll continue to pursue those. But right now we run basically hundred percent on donations. So, um, we are always looking for support in that way. Um, but for applicants, as long as there is money available, the answer will always be yes. So when I say that someone needs to apply, essentially, um, the application is just a way for us to track. But then, um, the only time we would say no, we did not have the funds available. Um, so yeah, the only stipulations, uh, right now are we have a $150 cap. So if the race registration is more than $150, we'll pay up to $150, uh, again, as long as we have money available. Um, and for this year, we are only funding, uh, we're only funding first time races and we're only funding Olympic distance and shorter. Um, and I, I would love to, in the future, be able to fund, you know, someone's first 70.3 or, um, you know, be able to give some money in the direction of long course racing but for now the focus is you know not only supporting women in triathlon but also supporting triathlon so local events and local races smaller smaller uh, venues those are that's where it's at like that's how people come to find the sport so while i am a big fan of ironman and i love doing ironman events or challenge events you know these bigger races a first-time triathlete is going to be racing something that's near their community or, um, you know, a local race. And so it's my desire to help support the local multi-sport communities because putting on races is hard and it is expensive. And so that's kind of why the, the model is set up the way that it is, that we um, we don't ask races for discounted entries. We don't ask for free entries. We um, basically, we want to pay for the entry because we want the money to go back into the sport because without those local events, the sport of triathlon does not grow and there's nothing, there's no event for like my daughter, for example, is 11 years old and she had done um, a few sprint distance triathlons now. And those events, like that's how she will come to know triathlon and how other younger women will come to know it as well. And so 
uh, yeah, so we're very interested in not only growing the participation of women, but also supporting local multi-sport communities. Um, and so, it, yeah, it's really, like, we have been extremely fortunate because, I mean, as you guys know, comparatively speaking, the triathlon community compared to other sports is quite small. So we, even though our try is really small and very new, we've gotten some support from some kind of big celebrities in the sport. Um, Meredith Atwood, uh, everybody obviously knows her, swim by mom, so she um, su- supported us with donating uh, her book, Triathlon for the Every Woman, to some of our sponsored athletes that are doing Minneapolis Women's Try. Um, obviously, Angela May has been uh, wonderful. Not only is she on the board, but she um, donates some I Race Like a Girl stuff as well. She gave um, 50% off I Race Like a Girl membership to our ambassadors for this year, so that was terrific. Um, so there are, you know, some, some bigger names. We've gotten some shout outs from a lot of, a lot of female uh, pro triathletes. And Kaylee Jones, um, shared one of our posts one time. <laughs> I was like, over the moon about that. Um, but also smaller companies. So, um, we are getting custom kits uh, designed and made by a company called Archangel Sports. Um, that's another company that's run by a female triathlete. Um, she has been, Andrea has, the owner has been absolutely wonderful, um, incredibly supportive. She um, was not only an ambassador for us, but, but did our kit designs um, without charge. And so it's just been, even though we're small and we're growing slowly, we've had some amazing support. And, um, you know, we're the female triathlon community, like, is it's just so wonderful. And so uh, we, we're just continuing to kind of be grateful for that support and then, you know, tapping into um, those resources to help get the word out that we exist and things like that. Okay, so I just I wanted to recap that a little bit. So because it's pretty awesome what you're doing. I I the fund your try is um you are supporting brand new triathlete women to come in. You're supporting them and then their Olympic distance left so that you can also support the local triathlon scene and help, you know, grow the sport of triathlon, but also help those women to get into the sport you know, enjoy it, find out that they like it. And, and you're not supporting yet the Ironman events because most people don't go from, or most women definitely don't go from, you know what, I've never done a try. I'm going to go do an Ironman. Uh, just doesn't even happen, right? Um, I know I didn't start that way. I started at a local, a local race just to test it out and see what it, it was about and, and watch. So I think that's, really awesome women who want to go um you know and and start their first triathlon can go on to your site and do an application but as long as you guys have enough funds you will never say no to those those women and you will support them up to 150 dollars correct absolutely right yes Uh, awesome and so what you do need is lots of more donations because the more donations you have, the more women you guys can help get into this sport and and make it so that it's more of a 50-50 split at these events versus a 30-70 split with men and women at the try. So it's nice to see a lot more women out there, you know, showing how strong they are, what they can do, being a great example for their kids, um, you know, that you can you can do these things. And, and uh, yeah, so how do we make donations? So the donation, so um, same as applications, everything is website, so uh, fundfortry.org, and then we have a donate button um, on the homepage as well as a donate page, um, and so we, can, we accept donate to the website, um, and you can set up a recurring donation as well. We have whole people that do a, bit, a small amount of money, but they donate once a month, um, so that's kind of nice because it sort of helps our, long, you know, our long-term uh, picture, so that's wonderful, so it doesn't have to be like a large amount of money or a big lump sum, every little bit counts. Every little bit goes back into the sport triathlon. Um, our overhead cost, all we, we're not a brick and mortar of any sort, but everything is online. So our overhead cost is extremely low. Uh, so the only money that doesn't go back to traffic is just what it costs to kind of keep our website going, which is very, very, very low. So um, yeah, they can, they can donate a little, they can donate a lot, but it's all going back into the sport. And, um, and so that's another thing that I'll mention just really quickly is that we, to the extent possible, uh, when someone applies for, for sponsorship, we contact the race uh, 
the race or the race director directly and say, um, hey, we would like to pay registration for this athlete. Can we pay you the, the fee? And then you can give us a code. Um, or if, if for some reason we cannot make contact with the race director, we ask that the athlete go ahead and register themselves and then send us a receipt. And the reason why we do this is because it has nothing to do with trust whatsoever. It's that if for some reason an athlete decides that they aren't going to race, that way the race still gets the money. So for some reason, someone, um, you know, they, they want to do the, the triathlon, they are fully committed, but something happens and they can't do it, uh, the money is still going back into the sport. So uh, I think that's really important because, again, you know, without, without the local races, we just don't, we don't have growth like we, we need to, you know, so. Mm. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm really impressed about how, how you have sort of set this up in such a little time and also i mean just to, the just the art of giving you know without uh, expecting anything in return is uh, is a super noble uh sort of uh, activity that uh usually i believe i'm a huge believer in karma so these things uh they always come back two or three times bigger in many other different ways so it is it's fantastic you know, you're doing, doing this uh, to promote uh, to, to help people and to promote the sport which is uh, obviously uh, maybe i'm a little bit biased because i love the sport but yeah <laughs> same same it's, it's funny so sheila you said it um and it's interesting the way we choose our words you said it the same way i do for um triathlon lets women kind of show their strength and so the word showing is important to me because so often i hear people say um you know it something gives, it gives women strength or this, whatever they're talking about, this gives women something. And I have really been careful with my word choice with my daughter um, because I think that we have it already. So triathlon didn't give me strength. It didn't give me a good work ethic. It didn't give me grit or toughness or perseverance. It didn't give me any of those things. I already had all of those things. All the women people, but obviously, you know, where my mission here is to increase the participation of women. So that's kind of my focus. And they all have it, like you have it, but triathlon gives us this wonderful way to show it. And so in our everyday life, it's very, no matter what you do in your everyday life, unless, unless you're lucky enough to be, you know, a fighter pilot or, um, I don't know, a paramedic or a, a firefighter or something um, something where you get to like really be a hero every day, right? So unless you have a job like that, which is a small percentage of the female population, um, your everyday life may not give you an opportunity to show your kids just what an incredible force you are. And so triathlon is like, it's the perfect way to do it because whether you're doing a super sprint distance or a full Ironman, it's hard. It will, there will be moments where it's hard. And it's tough to get to the finish line, no matter what the distance. And so um, I just really believe in that. Like, it, it's so interesting to me that you, that you said show also, because I think in our heart, like, we know that we have it. And that's the thing I want for women to get is I want them to get the opportunity to show it, to show it to their kids, to show it to themselves, to show it to uh, other women. Because, gosh, like, how inspiring is it when you see a woman who looks like you or has a similar, you know, uh, a similar background or a similar story or a similar occupation, whatever their day to day, how awesome is it when you see them do something incredible and then you're, you have this idea that, well, I, I can do that too. You know? So yeah, so I just think that that's wonderful and that's really important that we understand that we are not giving, triathlon isn't giving them anything. It's just, it's, it's allowing them to show what they already have, you know? Exactly. Yep. And that's so important because Oftentimes, as as humans, um, but especially women, I don't think we realize what's inside us and what we can do. And it's important, like you said, not just to show your children what we do, but show ourselves what we can do. And I'm so glad that you're providing this opportunity to help more women, you know, show others what they can do and see what they can do themselves. Yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. So I think this is one of the the phrases that Swap Neil always introduces when uh, we're always out of time, which is, it looks like we're out of time. We would love to say. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
we would love to stay more. Actually, no, actually, this is true. If you want to come at any any point in time again, please let us know because there's so much more that we would like to uh, speak with you. And I know that there's uh, more of this uh, of your foundation. Uh, we would love to see how how it progresses. No, because I think this is something unique, definitely. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I definitely will. Um, I, I will take you up on it because hopefully this time next year I'll be able to say we've sponsored you know, a hundred women. So yeah, we'll do again for sure. Exactly. Exactly. And we, we, hopefully we can hear that. Definitely. All right. So now we have the, the section called the four, uh, on un, unmissable questions. So these questions, uh, no, uh, uh no guest has been able, exactly. Yeah. No one has been able to, to free themselves out of them. So unfortunately you'll have to go to them. Each one of them, very thoroughly, but it will, will be good. Don't worry. Okay. All right. So the first one is what message would you want people listening to this to take away from your story? Oh man, that you can do anything you put your mind to. Um, I like really went from being a pregnant teenager who was contemplating not um, continuing her life to being a having a, an amazing family and I just qualified for 70.3 worlds a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, I mean, you can do anything and, and it's, it's not, um, no matter what, no matter what happens to you or what you experience in life, uh, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be negative and, and something that feels like a failure and feels like, um, you'll never overcome it. Oh, I promise you, you will. So many, so many great stories of, um, people overcoming things and mine is just it's just one little drop in the bucket so yeah don't ever give up awesome and so you did thank a few brands and a few people while you were talking which was awesome but are there any other people or brands that you would like to give a shout out to while you're while you're here um yeah so i i'm on team zoo so i'll definitely give a shout out to them i love their gear so much uh, so that's probably like my favorite stuff comes from team Duke, um, Duke sports um a really not so it's not a triathlon rated company but um Michaela Rosales runs uh, an international company called honest international it's uh for women by women actually as well um but she is I just want to publicly thank her because she helped me get started like when I was putting um, putting these ideas kind of the idea for fun for tribe um, I had the idea, but I didn't know where to start. And without her, I would not have, uh, I wouldn't be where I am right now. So super grateful to her for that. And, um, her organization, while it isn't triathlon related, she is a triathlete, but, um, her organization isn't related to triathlon, but it is related to helping women and connecting women and doing things, um, that support women. So that's uh, another brand that I just am, am a big fan of. Um, Archangel, like I said, uh, so many races. Gabriela uh, Gallegos is the founder of Race El Paso. Her race in El Paso might even be her try, which is now in Boston and also Miami. Um, she, when Fund Her Try first started, she was extremely supportive and um, put me in contact with USA Traveling. Um, she was just really, really, she's a wonderful just ambassador for the sport, period. Um, but she was extremely supportive of me as well. So that's another person slash brand retail that was just very near and dear to my heart. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, I guess I'll just publicly say thank you to my family for always being extremely supportive of whatever insane adventure that I am like, you know, suggesting. So whether it be traveling to do a race in France or, you know, whatever, putting in many, many long hours on, on the bike, whether outside or inside, my family is incredibly supportive. So um i'll just like do a quick recognition of them but, yeah i think that's it good good yeah very good very very good job the last one yeah definitely they are the based of everything we do yeah indeed but before we ask our last question can you tell everyone listening where they can find you online Yes, of course. So um, the website for Fund Her Try is um, fundhertry.org, F-U-N-D-H-E-R-T-R-I.org. Um, and then our Instagram is also just at Fund Her Try. Uh, Facebook, we have a Facebook page, um, Fund Her Try Incorporated, uh, or Fund Her Try Inc. is our Facebook page. 
Um, and then my personal Instagram, my, well, it's public, but the, um, I share all of my triathlon shenanigans I share on uh, Instagram. And that's just at uh, Lynn, it's L-Y-N-N-M-A-T-X. Um, so yeah, that's where, that's where we are online. We haven't stepped into, Thunder Try hasn't stepped into the world of Twitter or uh, anything else yet. Eventually we'll get there. I need to find, um, I need to put someone younger than me up to that <laughs> task. <laughs> Awesome. All right. And uh, Sheila, your turn. Oh, good. Okay. So, uh, most important question Why do you try? Oh, my goodness. I have so many reasons, but I would say that um, I guess I have so many reasons why I keep trying. Um, I, you know, number one is just staying healthy. Um, I love the fact that. I don't have to uh, closely count calories. I do try to eat well and put good things into my body, but I don't have to really um, closely count things like that because I do triathlon. So I'm swimming, biking, and running all the time. And um, so I really feel like it's the fountain of youth. It makes me feel like I'm 18, even though I'm not. And I love that. So just staying healthy and the, the aspect of health um, that is, you know, so huge is being able to keep up with my kids. Like when they want to, run and do anything I can do it with them. And so that's huge. Um, and then the, the other one that's big on the list is, um, you know, as I mentioned, I have, I have a daughter, um, who's 11. And of course I have Alyssa as well. Um, and I think that it's important for them to have many, many heroes. Um, but I want to be one of them. <laughs> so I am completely fine with my daughter being inspired by women all over the world. I think there's, Oh, so many amazing people to, to inspire us. And so I want her to be inspired by them, but um, I don't want her to have to look outside of her home to find inspiration. I want her to be able to look at me and, and say, wow, like my mom, my mom does that. And so I can do that too or whatever. So I, I want to be one of their heroes. I don't want to be the only one, but I want to be one of them. Um, and then I would say the last thing is just to, to inspire other women. So why I started was, you know, completely just for me. And it, it wasn't, it wasn't any, you know, there was no profound reason why I started to travel, but I keep doing it because I have seen so many people have a, a life changing experience because they started doing it because I or another woman invited them to do it. And so I think it's important to, um, Number one, realize that it's never too late to start because it doesn't matter what age you are. There are so many people um, that don't start until they're 40 or even 50 or 60 years old. Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how old you are. Um, and so, yeah, like just being a woman, a mom, uh, a, a mom who works, um, you know, whatever. I, I want to be a person that is out there so that other women can say, oh, she can do that. I can do that. So, um, yeah, and I, I want to. I want to keep inviting people to do it. And if I'm not doing it, I can't invite them to do it. So yeah, that's, that's why I keep trying. That's an awesome reason. Wow, indeed. Yeah. Thank you so much <laughs> for being on our show today and sharing, you know, your stories because they, they are, you know, the story about, you know, you growing up and your daughters and things like that is very important for us as well as other women. And the fund your try is so important and what a great initiative. So thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for having me. I, I said it a little bit earlier, but it's, um, it's a little nerve wracking to, to do this kind of thing. If you're not, um, if you're not used to it, this is my first podcast. <laughs> so, um, yeah, at the beginning it was, you know, it's like, Oh my gosh, this is really happening. So you guys are, are kind of celebrities to me. Like I have listened to your podcast for a long, long time. And, um, yeah, I just could never imagine being asked to be on. So I'm so grateful. And um, yeah, I look forward to next time. Thanks so much. No, no, thank you. I mean, uh, we're surprised that you are such a, you think you, this is your first podcast and you may not know how to do it. But to be fair, I mean, I think Sheila and myself, we had had to do very little work today. Yeah. You, you, you did all the work and not only that, but it was extremely structured. The way you were saying things, I was surprised. Like, uh, the way you also you you, you described uh, like fund her try and uh, the business model, how you got the people. So it, it was uh, it was like a movie. So I think you did a fantastic job, too, definitely. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. All right, and listeners, thank you very much for your support week after week. 
We hope to bring you uh, nice and amazing stories of triathlon. And um, hopefully we have uh, Sub Neil back with us very soon. But uh, for now, uh, hasta la vista, baby. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for being a part of this Humans of Triathlon community. Hope you're enjoying the show and the other content. Make sure to join us again next week here on the Hot Podcast, where we'll bring you another amazing guest and story from this Audrey but extra Audrey world of triathlon. Until then, everyone, keep trying.